Let us turn now in the Word of God in the Old Testament to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and the chapter 37. The 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. And we commence the reading at the verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Let us come and hear God's precious, infallible, inerrant, and sacred word. And the Lord help us, grant us ears to hear, and hearts of faith to receive his word this afternoon. Let us hear the word of God. And Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilphah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him. And said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him. But his father observed the same. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and, behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, 
What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands, to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, and his coat of many colors, that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it, and they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes, and looking, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let us not hand, let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then they passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt, and Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt 
and to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and the captain of the guard. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, and may the Lord be pleased to bless the public reading of his precious, infallible word, and we pray that the Lord will not only bless that reading to us, but the Lord might minister to our hearts here by his Spirit, through his word this afternoon. Let us pray, let us bring our praise to Almighty God and our many needs and concerns before him. Let us come and unite our hearts together in prayer. Well, dear friends, I would ask you now to please turn your very prayerful attention to that passage of God's Word, Genesis chapter 37, with me. And I want us to consider this theme this afternoon, Joseph and a greater than Joseph to come. Joseph and a greater Joseph to come. Here in this chapter, we are taken up with Joseph, Joseph, for the next 14 chapters, will be the main subject of the book of Genesis. Now, of course, the main subject is always Almighty God. There are, however, six main characters in the book of Genesis. Of course, the first is Adam. Adam, and then we have Noah, and then we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now finally, Joseph. But the Bible really is not a biographical sketch of men. We're never to look at the Bible in that way, certainly even the Old Testament. The Bible is always pointing to Christ. We must learn that. The Lord Jesus said it himself. He said, search the scriptures. He says in John 5 and the verse 38, and he says, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And that's true. But he said, but it is they that which do testify of me. Here in these characters, many of them in the Old Testament, we have wonderful types of Christ, many wonderful foreshadowings of the Savior. And here Joseph is set forth as a kind of a Savior, one who would rescue his family from starvation. We know the remainder of the book of Genesis taken up with a great famine. There would be trouble in Egypt and also in Canaan. In fact, the whole world will experience, by God's divine power, an almighty judgment. And of course, all famines really are. The world was wicked then. The world was very wicked, wasn't it? Even in Genesis chapter 6, when God said that he would destroy even all men and all the earth. And God eventually did. God sent a judgment after 120 years of Noah preaching, Noah the preacher of righteousness, God sent rain. Men had never seen rain before. There was a mist that covered the earth and there were the fountains of the deep where there were masses of water stored up in the crustal layers of the earth. And we are told that God opened up the fountains of the deep and God also opened up the heavens so that it rained. As I said before, there was only a mist that covered the earth. That's what we're told in the first book and second book or chapter of Genesis. Now again, these things speak of Christ. Remember I just quoted there from John 5 verse 38, ye search the scriptures, in them ye think ye have eternal life, but it is they, he said, which do testify of me. And then he, did he not say in Luke 24, remember after the Lord Jesus Christ's 
death, burial, and then finally his resurrection on the third day. There were two on the road to Emmaus, and they were very downcast. And one of them called Cleopas, we're told there, and as they communed with each other, the Lord Jesus Christ, risen now, drew alongside them, and they didn't know who it was. And he began to open up the scriptures to them. And it says there in Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses, here, the book of Genesis, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Lord is the deliverer. And Joseph is a wonderful type, as we'll see. Now there's nothing, when we look at the life of Joseph, there is absolutely nothing negative said about him. It's not to say that he had no sin, but really the Holy Spirit has not recorded anything, or it's not meant to bring anything to our attention, that, of course, as I said, he was not sinless, but none of his sin is presented to us because he is to be presented here as a sort of a type pointing us to Christ. Now, of course, right from the fall, God had called sinners to himself. Right from the very first, or should we say third, and then fourth chapter of Genesis. Remember Abel, there was Cain and Abel, the two sons of Adam and Eve. And God had called sinners to himself by his grace. First of all, think of Abel, how he pleased God, how he trusted in the sacrifice. And then there was, of course, there was Seth, and then there was Noah. There was a godly line. And then there were men after the flood like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now Joseph, what is God doing here in the Old Testament? Well, it is through this line that the Savior would come into the world. And there is a believing line. Eventually, Christ would be born from that tribe of Joseph, or Jacob, should we say, from Judah, from this family. Christ would eventually come into the world. Apart from that, this world would be lost. God is keeping here a godly seed, a godly line. Now, there are many features, we could say, in the book of Genesis. As I said, there are these characters of those who the Lord called, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and so on. And many of these characters show us the life of faith. Not only are some of them types, and we see it in David, but we see here in Joseph a type of Christ. As I said, Joseph will span... 14 chapters at least, to the end. Verse 1 begins here, notice, notice, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Now notice, Joseph, although he is not the oldest, is first mentioned, isn't he? Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock. Now, this narrative, of Wiz, as we've read here, Joseph was the favorite of his father. He was 
well beloved of his father because he was the son of his old age. The other sons never had time for him. And uh, Joseph was particularly sensitive to his father, and his father loved him. Came from that dear mother, Rachel, didn't he? They shared uh, his blood brother was Benjamin. Of course, Jacob had other wives, and that's wrong. We know that from Scripture. God never sanctions polygamy, and there was always trouble in this family because of that. But we notice here, this narrative here in chapter 37 begins telling us that Joseph was 17 years old. This account where he's sold into slavery, he's 17 years old. And this, I suppose, I hope, will come as a great challenge to young people here this afternoon, 17 years old. It'll be 22 years after this until he sees his father and his brothers again. A long period of time. Think of it, he is 17 years old. And you notice as this chapter begins, it begins by Joseph bringing back a report to his father Jacob. Now obviously even at this particular time, Joseph was given responsibility. Now we have to understand the background very well. These sons were very problematic, as we can see already, quite wicked. In previous chapters, two of them were murderers. And as we'll see, Jacob is very concerned because they, they're starting to tend sheep near Shechem. And this is where two of the brothers slew almost an entire city because they were angry, because their sister Dina was indeed very badly abused in this place. It was an awful scene. Now, he brings what we could say an honest report to his father. His father sends him out, and he brings an honest report. And it seems, if you read the narrative, that Joseph is given responsibility over these brothers to see where they are. And he's also working, if you notice, it's not as if he's, he's not... Uh, getting his hands dirty, he's not tending sheep, no he is. If you look verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. He was a worker with them. He was not some kind of, as it were, just a supervisor, although he was a supervisor. And he had been given responsibility. His father, Jacob, had given and placed responsibility on him. And this is a good thing. Now many, sadly, characterize Joseph as some sort of snitch, you know, on his brothers. A telltale. He's going to tell father everything. Well, we've got to look at the narrative here. If you come down to verse 12, later on, this happens. They're feeding in the area, and we're told in verse 12, and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, notice, Israel, by the way, is another name for Jacob, said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. And by the way, Shechem wouldn't be too far away from here. Now he's obviously concerned, because there seems to be somewhat of a delay. Come, and I will send thee unto them. 
And he said to him, here am I. Now here's something very interesting. Not only was this son well beloved of the father, but the son didn't abuse it. Now sadly there are some sons who will abuse their father's love, but not Joseph. And in many ways he typifies the Lord Jesus. Well beloved, this is my beloved son, the father says from heaven. My beloved son, whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. Here, indeed, Joseph goes straight away. And you know the Lord Jesus, he left heaven when the Father sent him. Go into the world. He was sent of the Father into this sin-stricken world, this world that Christ made. Did you know that? Jesus Christ made the world's. He made the heavens and the earth. And when he came into the world, it says the world knew him not. Didn't even want to know him. Despite even the signs and the miracles and the many things that he did, giving veracity to the fact that he was very God himself. Well, notice he goes immediately. And he said unto him, go, I pray thee. And he says, here am I. And he said, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren. So, yes, he worked with them, and times he went back just to give a report. Now, again, as I said, Shechem is not so far away. If you just turn back to Genesis 33, you'll notice there what happened is a very sad account. And uh, we have it in Genesis 33, this account where the sister goes into the town. And uh, we notice what happens at the end of this chapter, verse 18 of Genesis 33. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city, and he brought a parcel of field where he had spread his tent. And the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for an hundred pieces of money. And there he erected an altar and called it Elohi Israel. And notice, and Dina, the daughter of Leah, which is one of his wives, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Now, this was not a good idea. Think of it, they're in a strange place. It's a good advice to young ladies and to young men. Here's a city, they are camped just outside, and they go there. And she, this daughter, goes to see the daughters of the land. She goes into the town, and uh, trouble comes immediately. There, and when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Havite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And of course, the brothers are very angry. Word gets back to Jacob. He's grieved in his heart. And two brothers decide to take vengeance. They tell all the men to be circumcised. They negotiate with them. And then when the men are sore, they slay the entire city. It's a terrible massacre. Look at chapter 34, verse 25. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore, the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brethren, 
took each man by his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. What a massacre. Now, we come back on the scene. This is the vicinity. Can you imagine? And uh, Jacob has already said, we have to leave. You've caused my name to stink in the land. Jacob was very concerned that he and the whole family were going to be wiped out. And no doubt the brothers have wandered off, they're feeding sheep, and he's wondering where these boys are. They were unruly. And we see even how Reuben uh, treats his brother. And even, by the way, when Reuben puts uh, Joseph in the pit and he tells the brothers that he's gone, they don't cons console him and say, by the way, Reuben, we sold him off. You see the way they treat each other? Terrible. This is what might, some might even call today a dysfunctional family. It's a sinful family. There's no other way to put it. And uh, Father Jacob wasn't certainly a perfect husband, certainly wasn't a perfect father. We ought to learn many things from this. But Joseph is a good son. And he is doing the work of his father. And we can understand here the father's anxious concern because he's here concerned for the delay. And he says, it says he sent him out, verse 14, out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And notice verse 15, and a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And by the way, the man in the field says, no, they've gone to Dothan. Now, Dothan was not a good place because you wouldn't want to take sheep there. It was very rocky. It was very hilly. A lot of crags there. Not idyllic at all. And so what are these boys doing? They're wandering from place to place. They're causing anxiety in the father. And you can see, let us not judge Joseph with harsh thoughts. He's doing the right thing. But before all of this, Joseph has had some dreams. We read of the dreams, didn't we? And these dreams are Joseph one day, we're told there in verse 7 and 8, that he dreamed a dream and that they were in the field and their sheaves bowed down to his sheaves. And even the, the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to him. Eleven stars and then the sun and the moon representing his parents. And they knew what these dreams meant because they actually tell us, are we going to bow down to you? They interpreted the dreams themselves. They must have been convicted. They knew Joseph was good and upright. They knew in their hearts Joseph had been given these dreams by Almighty God. And he was not being showy. He was not showing off. He was not being unkind. And later on, we'll see that these dreams not only will show forth God's power of deliverance, but they will also serve to encourage Joseph when he's in the prison, as we will see. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery, as we said, when he was 17. And altogether, he served 13 years with Potiphar in prison. And uh, so if you add all of that up, and then there is the seven years of famine, and then there's two years of good, uh, sorry, seven years of plenty, and uh, two years of good. So if you add all of that up, it's 22 years 
He doesn't see his brothers and his father. And Joseph really is a wonderful encouragement to us. Firstly, if we are Christians. But also he sets forth Christ in many ways. Now as Christians, he encourages us. Because the Bible tells us that all who live in godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. Paul tells us this, doesn't he? All who live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. The world will hate us, said the Lord Jesus Christ. His brothers were ungodly. Joseph was a godly young man. You've met somebody, it seems, all they do is right. They're good and upright people. Many people don't like them. And, uh, well, Joseph was disliked, loved by his father. His father bought him a coat. And he wore it, not to show off, but he wore it because he loved his father. We've got to think right about Joseph. He wore it because his father loved him, and he loved his father. And let me say this. The father in heaven loves the son. And he has a perfect robe of righteousness. It's what he's earned. Now the Bible often speaks about garments and speaks about garments of salvation. And uh, of course here yeah, Joseph has this, this coat. and We might even say, well, he earned it because he was a good son. His father loved him. But you know, it's true concerning the Lord Jesus. We read... In the book of the Revelation, of all of God's people, and you know that well-known parable, don't you, of the marriage supper of the Lamb, where nobody can enter in unless they have the wedding garment. And that wedding garment, of course, is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And we're told in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, and this is how men shall be saved, the Lord our righteousness. Young people, when we came into the world, we are born sinners. All of Jacob's sons and Joseph's brothers were sinners. They hated him, as it were, without a cause. He only went about doing good. And this is true for us. You know, we're born into this world. By nature, the Bible says we are children of wrath, even as others, born in sin. Somebody does something good. It shows up our sin, doesn't it? Joseph's godly life showed up the ungodliness of these young men. Wherever they went, it seems there's trouble. They go from place to place. Think of it, murderers. You can even go back right to the beginning of the Bible. You know, the very first man, God said to him, the very first man that was born was not Adam, but was Cain. Cain was the first person that was born. Adam and Eve were not born. They were made by God. But the very first one, God said to Cain, you will be a fugitive and a vagabond. But what does Cain do? Well, Cain, he builds a city. 
builds a city called Enoch, a great big city. And he dwells in that city. And he decides he is going to be very different. Look at what the city has done to Dina already. Place of trouble. And the world can be a place of trouble. I'm not saying stay out of cities. But you know, they always say crime rates are very high in the cities. Jacob now is dwelling in tents, isn't he? Look at this chapter here. He's dwelling in tents. Like Abraham. Esau, we know from previous chapters, Esau, head of the Enamites, was a mighty man like Nimrod. Building cities, building cities. Jacob was traveling in, living in these tents. When Jacob and Esau meet, Jacob sends Esau a present. And there's this discussion between the two. And Jacob says, I have all things. Jacob was content. Now, as we come to this chapter here, I want us to think particularly about salvation in Christ. I want us to think about the wickedness of these brothers. Joseph was sent out because there was a great concern, wasn't there, over these brothers. I've already gone over the context and the background. They were murderers in Shechem. No doubt Jacob is fretting because his sons are gone a-missing. What is going to happen? He was concerned. Now think of it. Let me bring it in light of a gospel context. We've all sinned, haven't we? Each and every one of us. We've sinned. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into a world that is headed for destruction to save some. These brothers... They're going to get into trouble now. They're going to sell their brother, sadly, into slavery. You know, the Lord Jesus was sold as well, wasn't he? Sold by even his familiar friend. For what? To deliver his people. And in the same way, Joseph will be sold to eventually, you know the story, to deliver his brother in the brothers, in the plan of Almighty God. What he's going to do is he's going to be sold into Egypt. The Midianites we see here come by. He's thrown in the pit. Reuben doesn't want to kill him. Reuben's disappeared for a little while. The other brothers sit down, have something to eat. The Midianites come and he's sold and he's taken away. And for 22 years, Jacob thinks he's dead. Can you imagine the anguish? We read here, didn't we, in this chapter, how Jacob, he could not be comforted. Now, in some ways, I suppose, even Jacob is getting a lesson. He caused his father great grief, didn't he, Isaac? Do you remember how he lied, lied to his father Isaac about the birthright? Didn't see his father for a long, long 
long time, probably, I, I think there's an occasion where he didn't even see him. Certainly his mother even. Many years. Now, he doesn't see his son. But there is going to be deliverance. And eventually, what God will do, this family will be raised in Egypt. And for hundreds of years, God is going to raise up a mighty nation that will come out of Egypt. What is God doing here? We could say God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this land of Canaan, where they're at right now, and where there is going to be a famine. And Jacob, as it were, he is keeping it, as it were, in his heart, this promise that God is going to give this land. But this land, let me say, Canaan is a picture of heaven. We speak of the heavenly Canaan. And the Bible speaks of the heavenly Jerusalem. A city which God has made and is making and is preparing. Now this place now has a great famine. And it's through Joseph and all that he has to go through that he will bring deliverance for Israel. Not just Israel, but for the whole world, even at this time, because there's a worldwide famine. Now, by the time Joseph stands before Pharaoh, he's 30 years old. And he doesn't get to see his brothers till he's 39. It's amazing, isn't it? Look at Genesis chapter 41, verse 46. We know what happens to Joseph. He goes sold as a slave. And then he gets thrown in the prison, gets accused by Potiphar's wife for something that he never did. Chapter 41, verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. You come down to verse 56, and we read, not only is Joseph there 30 when he enters Pharaoh's service, but he supervises the collection of the grain during the seven years of plenty, verse 56, and we read, and the famine was all over the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. Now it's interesting, there is a famine right now in all the world. Many people don't realize it. It's the famine of the soul. Men are wretched. Men are naked. Men are blind. There's a spirit. Men are destitute before God. And we read here how all the nations came to Joseph to buy grain. There was a famine in all the world. The world was dying. And let me put it to you this way. Let me bring it in, as it were, spiritual context. Young people, let me speak as soberly as I can to you. You're going to die. But there's another death. The Bible speaks of a second death. A second death. And it's a very sober thing. I, in my years of being young, when I was young, 
And I always say this. I've seen almost every year of my life people I know die. Some young, some old. I've lost young friends, old friends. But the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And why are these judgments coming on the earth? They're coming because the whole world is sinful. God has already judged, as it were, the world by a, a worldwide flood and swept away millions of people in Genesis 6. And many people are even dying now in this famine. Many couldn't get to Egypt. But Joseph is the source, is he not? As it were, of life. God made him the source of life. And Christ, let me say, is the source of life. The Bible says, in him was life. And he is the light of men. And men perish without Christ. It says all countries came into Egypt to Joseph. They had to go to Joseph. And it is through Jesus Christ and him alone that sinners must come if ever they to be saved. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And you look at this man. As I said, when his brothers last saw him, he was 17 years old. When they see him again, it's 39. 22 years have passed. They threw him in a pit. They thought they could get rid of him. Sold into slavery. But it never left their conscience. And you know, people will hear the word of God. And there will be many It'll pang their conscience through this life. And there will be many that have heard the word of God. And in all eternity, it will pang their conscience that they have heard of Christ. They've heard the way, the truth, and the life. But when men will not come, but many will. Thank God many will. I don't know the state of your soul. But you know the Lord does Deal with sinners rightly. To whom much has been given, we're told much will be required. Think of those impenitent cities. And here the whole world has heard about Joseph. So famous was he. And think of it, 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 it is so clear. And you know, you can go to um, the museum in the Netherlands, Lydon. You can read not only about the in some of the ancient manuscripts about the ancient flood, you can read also about the plagues of Pharaoh, but you, concerning Pharaoh and how God judged Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt, but you can read of even these things, even in some of the other religions, what God did to this nation and how they escaped by the mighty hand of God. And nobody denies these things. And Joseph was able to Tell the future because God spoke to him, but Jesus Christ is very God who came in the flesh and who declared the future. 
And it said that everyone will come out of the grave and one day and will hear his voice. Well, firstly, young people think Joseph is a good example. He's not only a type of Christ, but he is Christ-like. And he is how we should be. Think of it, he was sold by his own flesh and blood, put in a pit, and then into slavery, and how faithfully he served in Potiphar's house. I mean, if anybody had a bad start in life, we would have to say it was Joseph. Wouldn't we? We can look at our lives, maybe feel sorry for ourselves. But for 22 years, and think of it, he hardly knew his mother. His mother, Rachel, died giving birth to his younger brother. Didn't see his younger brother. We think we've had a hard life, and I'm sure many of us have. Look to Joseph. See how difficult it was for him. And he served so faithfully in Potiphar's house, so much so that Potiphar trusted him with everything. When Potiphar's wife made advances to him, he said, how can I do this and sin against God? How faithful he was. And then in the prison, God gave him more dreams. And he interpreted them, didn't he? Remember how he was forgotten there. But he was faithful. God never forgot him. He's a good example, isn't he? How good God is. How good is God? Well, he provided for Joseph. He was Joseph's light in the prison. He was Joseph's hope. He hoped in God. He trusted the Lord. Joseph was never slain, unlike our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus was slain. See, Joseph, his brothers took his coat, covered it with blood, made ours as if he was dead. How heartless they were to the father. You know, none of the brothers said, uh, even when we read here, Jacob couldn't be comforted. None of them said, well, Let's go and look for Joseph then. For 22 years, those brothers were prepared to see their father go through so much grief and so much agony. So don't tell me that the human heart is good. The human heart is sinful and wicked. Envy, pride and malice, it's in all of us. But how merciful God was to these sons. We read, if you just turn with me, finally when Joseph reveals his identity to these brothers in Genesis 45, 1, then Joseph could not refrain himself because remember, he sent them away, gave them food, they went back to Canaan. Out of Egypt, he provided for them. And we read in Genesis 45, 1, And Joseph could not refrain himself before them all, 
that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And by the way, here, his prime minister, his vice-regent to Pharaoh. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. And he wept aloud. You see, Joseph never lost his love for his brothers, despite all that they did to him. And the Egyptians and the house and Pharaoh heard. The others heard because of this, this crying, this wailing before the brothers. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? Loved his father, loved his brothers, and his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You see, he saw God's purpose in all of this. And in all of this he loved his brethren. And let me say this, the Lord Jesus, he loves his brethren. He loves his family. He has a lost people in this world. And they will all come to him. Just like eventually Joseph's brothers were sent to him. The father sent them. And let me say this, the father sends sinners to Christ. That's what he does. And those who come to Christ, he will not cast out. He will receive. Those who come sincerely and who confess their sin, he will receive them graciously. He said, my sheep hear my voice, they come unto me, and I give them eternal life. They will all come. Sinners, and there's great rejoicing in heaven, even over one sheep that should return into the fold. This was a special family. It was God's family in a way. God has a family. He has a real family, lost people in this world, and they will all come to hear about Christ and believe. Some even murderers. Thieves like these sons, wicked people. Chapter 50, verse 20, we read, But as for you, Joseph said, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it this day to save much people alive. But in a far greater way, it's true that there would be, when the company come out, of Canaan, and they come into Egypt. Done my calculations before, there's over 70 in the family. It's quite a big number of them, of Jacob's household. When they leave, there's, there's well over 2 million people, including a mixed multitude. It's a tremendous number. But you know, in this world, God has a number of people to save and to bring out of this world great, unworthy sinners. Just thinking here about these words to the, to the brethren, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
you remember Peter on the day of Pentecost when he preached to the Jews, many who had put Christ to death? He said, you did this. But it was by God's predetermined counsel and foreknowledge that the Christ would be put to death. And you know, this is something, young people, you can read of in the Bible. It was something predicted that his soul, that his body would be put in the grave, but his, he wouldn't see corruption. When he died, that very day, his soul went to be with the Father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he took with him a sinner that day to heaven, a murderer that day, an insurrectionist. But there are many lessons here in this passage. We see Christ all over the place, don't we? Joseph, a wonderful type of the Savior. But we also see Jacob living by faith, his father. Living in these tents, not like Esau. Esau, building a city, building an empire, just like Cain, just like Nimrod. But waiting for the promise. Let me say this. Every Christian is waiting right now for the promised appearing of Christ. We look for a new heavens and a new earth. That could come in the twinkling of an eye. And young people, all that you're dreaming of, may never come to pass. That big building, that big house, that big job, that big career, may never come to pass. Peter tells us, he says we look for a new heavens, a new earth. He says people, he said in the last day, will come with their mocking and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And Peter says, you know what? They forgot what happened to the ancient world. How God, with one mighty sweep of his judgment, sent a lost world away. But he said, we now wait for new heavens and a new earth. Are you waiting for that? Look at Esau. Big city, the Edomites, look at Nimrod, look at Cain. Where are they now? Lost. Jacob, intense. If you're a Christian, godliness, the Bible says, with contentment is great gain. The love of money is the root of of all evil. And there are many, Paul says, who have pierced themselves with the love of possessions in this world. And they do not possess this one thing that is needful. 
And that is forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus Christ. They don't possess that. How everything changed, didn't it? Because of Joseph. It changed for the nation. The promise of the Savior is being realized that he would come into the world. It's all being realized. Joseph is part of that plan. And God is working his purposes out. And let me say this, eventually Christ came into this world and he did his mighty work. He did his mighty work on the cross and where is he now? He's in heaven and he's coming again. This world's going to end. It's going to end. We're told in Acts 17 that God has given assurance of a judgment day. And a general resurrection of all men. How? Paul says, I'll tell you how. In the fact that he has raised his son from the dead. And because he has, every knee will bow. Here we see Joseph's sons, Jacob's sons, saying, will we bow? Will we pay obeisance, obeisance to you? He says, yes, you will. And we actually have the fulfillment of it. We read how when they came into the land, they bowed the knee. They that hated him eventually bowed the knee. And one day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice, if you turn to Genesis 43, Joseph is now prime minister. Genesis 43, 26, And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand. They didn't even know it was him. Into the house and bowed themselves to the earth. You see that? And then again in verse 27, And he asked them of their welfare, and said, Is your father well, the old man whom ye spake? They don't know it's him. Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health. He is alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And let me say this. We sang, didn't we, from Psalm 2. One day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They thought Joseph was dead. We've done away with him. But a greater than Joseph who men thought were dead, is alive. And every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. One day, you may not bow now, but you will do. You will do. It says their father observed their saying, his saying. Remember when he told the dreams. Mary considered in her heart the things that the angel said concerning Christ. What about you? These things are real. Very real. Christ came into the world. He says in his word, look unto me 
and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none other. They called him a dreamer. Sure, he dreamed, but his dreams were from God. They were reality. And God has determined to make a new heavens and a new earth. Not a dream. It's not pie in the sky. The world's got to end. Reflect over this last month's news. It's unbearable, isn't it? You think of the world. You think of the wickedness. Would God be a good God to allow it to continue? Ask yourself the question. You say God's good. Well, if he's good, he's got to end it. And so good was he that he gave his son. What men meant for evil by putting him to death, God meant for good. His sheep will hear. They will believe his word. It almost seems too good to be true. But it is true. It is true. He is alive. The greater than Joseph is alive. And if he's alive in the believer, he's alive in the heart. And the believer now lives by faith in the Son of God. And you know, you, you start to live like, like Joseph. You start to live like Jacob. And you, you, you're not a settler in this world. But you're a sojourner. You're passing through. We're going through the passage of time. We're told in Hebrews, aren't we, that they looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. They were going to live in Egypt for a long time, but God was going to take them out. It's true for the Christian. Much quicker than we think. Sooner even than we hope. We will see him. And you will see him. The greater than Joseph is alive. They who thought they would slay him and do away with him. Thank God. I'm sure they were saying, thank God he's alive. The nations were blessed by Jacob, uh, by Joseph. How much more has the world been blessed? Many in the world have been saved by Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, but many... Many, he will dash with his rod of iron. What a mighty ruler Joseph proved to be. But how gracious too he is. Our greater, our heavenly Joseph. By the grace of God, the Father sent him for his people. Amen.